Well, good morning. Week three of streaming services. It is uh, it's a bizarre time we live in right now, and I don't know that any of us ever expected uh, when the first news came out in January that some virus was spreading through China that we would be at this point now, but yet here we are. And we're all making the best of it, right? We're all doing the best we can. Um, but you know, we can, we can mope and groan and complain about our circumstance or we can try and move forward in that. And I think that's what we're going to kind of talk about this morning. So um, we are in this season of Lent, we are in the book of 1 John, John's first letter, well, to the church, is essentially, it goes out throughout, it's not specifically addressed to any one group, it goes out across um, all of the believers at that point of time when it's written, which is around uh, first century, the end of the first century, beginning of the second century, is about the right time. So we are in uh, this, this season of Lent, 1 John, as I said, and so I have the privilege today of coming out of 1 John chapter 4. Uh, verses 4 through, uh, chapter 4, sorry, verses 7 through 12. And this is one of my favorite passages. I think it says some really amazing things about God and about uh, the image of God. So without further ado, let's look at our passage for today. 1 John chapter 4 and verses 7 through 12. Probably should have had this ready before I walked up here, but there we go. Those things happen. 1 John Chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Listen to this. Beloved, let us love one another. Man, you can't get any better than that, you know? You cannot start any kind of sentence better than that. This is great. Because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected. Interesting here. So our text makes some very bold statements about God, about love, and about what our response should be to this love. I mean, there's lots we can say about it, but, but the question of the hour is not, you know, what are we talking about from a theological perspective or, or, or these things, although we will touch on some theology this morning. I think the best question, though, when we read this question, we read this verse, I mean, even, especially that first verse, let us, let us love one another. How on earth are we supposed to love one another if we can't even go near one another? I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's a fair question, right? We're not supposed to go near one another. We have a, a, a new phrase added to our lexicon now, don't we? Social distancing. James talked about it last week. I, I absolutely hate the term. I hate it. I love the term, which James replaced it with, physical distancing. Yes! Yes! We're physically distant. But social distancing, I don't like it. But let's, 
address that question, but we're going to take it a little bit more slowly. Let's start with um, just a little theology this morning, because that's kind of my favorite thing. 1 John 4, 7 and 8, we just read that. Love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. These are, as Christians, our basic truths. God is love, and God's love carries a requirement of us, okay? It's not just, oh, God is love, and God loves us, and we can all live happily ever after. But there's a requirement, because the three letters of John, understand this now, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, they're very similar to the Gospel of John. Very similar, because they come out of the same community at about the same period of time. And this community was built around the teachings of the Apostle John. Now, were these written by the actual apostles? Maybe, maybe not. Tradition holds that they are. A lot of people say they're not. It doesn't matter. It comes from his teachings, which is why there's so much similarity here. So with that being said, it's not surprising that the Gospel of John is echoed in the epistles of John. You see echoes here. What do you mean, Tim? Where are these echoes at? Well, John's gospel records this from Jesus' last teachings to his disciples. Listen to this. This is John 14, 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. That's really familiar, isn't it? You see that in the gospel, and then here it shows up again in this first epistle. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Oh my, there it is again. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you, wait for it, if you love one another. John 15, 12, this is my commandment. Could it be that you love one another? John 15, 17, I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Now, now, let's talk about what's so amazing about this. Jesus is teaching this passage just before he's about to go into the Passion. They're getting ready to get up and walk on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane from the, oh, from the upper room. He knows what's coming. Judas has already been sent out. He's already been betrayed. And so this is his last chance to talk to his disciples. You know, it's that last thing. Just let me tell you one more thing. And so what does he save for this last minute? Beloved, I need to make sure that you judge one another. Beloved, I need you to make sure that you are rooting out one another's sins. I watch each other now. Beloved, hold each other to standards of morality or codes of conduct. Make sure that we do this. This is the last thing I'm going to get to say. So here's my command to you. Judge one another. Root out each other's sins. No. Not at all. His last opportunity to speak to his disciples before his death, he said, if there's just one thing I can leave with you, love one another. Love one another. While his final instructions are how they should relate to one another, they aren't about towing a line. Rather, he is directing them to mirror his relationship with his father. 
Father has loved me, and I have loved you, so love one another. And this brings us back to this morning's text. God is love. What is God like? How does God respond to our hurts? God is love. In this time of sickness and fear, how does God respond? God is love. How does God view us when we fail? God is love. Keep asking the questions. Keep asking. And John's going to point you back every time. God is love. So, God is love. That gives us the defining characteristic of God, right? I mean, you don't see it anywhere else in the Bible. You don't see any other statements. God is justice. God is wrath. God is this. God is that. The defining characteristic of God is God is love. And so then, Genesis 1.26 tells us that we are created in the image of God. Okay? So, if we're created in God's image, so what does the image of God mean? Well, we could say that it means it's a physical image, but I don't, I don't think anybody really believes that God is shaped like us, right? I mean, I don't think that God walks around with two feet with two hands. Maybe he does, but I don't think that's what's being told here. What could the image be? Scholars have thought about this for years. Is it the ability to possess knowledge? Self-awareness. Is that the image of a capacity for self-understanding, for ruling, even for dominance. Boy, we've not failed in our human history with those things. Yeah, maybe these are what it is. But I think John is giving us a better understanding. Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Here it is. When we love one another, we are quite literally demonstrating the fact that we are born of God. In essence, we are reflecting the image of God that is within us. When you love one another, you are reflecting the very nature and image of God that's inside of you. You are showing it. God is love, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Now the commands of Jesus and of John begin to really hit home, don't they? If John says that everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and Jesus tells us that everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, then all we have to do is look at our actions and then look at our words. How do we act towards one another? How do we speak to one another? And we can see if they are motivated by love. We can see if how we are acting and responding and speaking are part of the image of God. Are we loving one another or are we scapegoating one another? So, that brings me back to the point of today. How do we love one another in the time of COVID-19? How can this be possible? Think about this. When we talk about loving one another, we talk about loving one another together. Well, it's not just empty words, right? I mean, I, I, you say you love me, but you don't do anything. Well, I guess we should be together. We should be physically present. But we can't do that right now, right? We can't. 
And anyone who tells you that we shouldn't be doing physical distancing is quite literally crazy. We can't do that. So then, what are you supposed to do? How do you love one another if you can't be with one another? Well, these are times that call for us to be very creative. Come up with an imagination. New ways of loving one another. Are we incapable of loving one another if we're not physically present? Are we incapable of that? Paul has a great phrase throughout his letters. It's two words. It says, God forbid. God forbid. No, we can love one another. And this might be the most important things that I say this morning. And I've been thinking about this all week long. There are a myriad of ways to love one another, even if we can't be physically present with one another. Think about those in our society right now who are most at risk. Start first with elderly. Since the very beginning, our elderly neighbors have been told, you're at risk. Stay inside. Stay away. Well, how would you love them? If they're at risk, could you and I not don a mask, put on some gloves, and go do their grocery shopping? Take the dogs out for walks. Loving actions to lower the risk of others while still keeping ourselves safe as well. In closely populated areas, could you go and wash their car or cut their grass? Why are you doing this for me? Because we love you. Because we love you. What about those we know because let me tell you something, friends. In the days and weeks ahead, you're going to know people who test positive for COVID-19. You're going to. The way that it's spreading, it's just an inevitability. How do we love them? What are you supposed to do when you test positive? You're supposed to quarantine. You don't leave the house. You don't go out of the house. You don't do anything. So what should you do? Once again, hey, do you need groceries? Let me go get what you need. Send me your list. I'll go. I'll bring it. I'll put it at your doorstep. I'll get in my car, and I'll go, and I'll let you know when I'm gone, and you can come out. These are acts of love. You would do that for me? Of course I would do that for you. Why wouldn't we do something like that? What about if you got a dog? Linda mentioned this this morning to me. Do you know somebody who's got that? They still have dogs that need to be walked. They have grass that needs to be cut. We can act and love one another, even in this time where we have to be physically distanced. I, I was getting ready for this this morning, and I came across a tweet. I mean, it was literally just about 10 minutes ago, and, and I want to read this to you because this may be one of the greatest things I've seen. This is um, a Pathios writer uh, named Kenneth Tanner, and he says this, the first Christians show us that the greater miracle is not the healing of the sick, what? but staying and caring for the sick and suffering even when they do not recover, staying with the dying as they die. 
Compassion is what overcomes the world and leads to resurrection. I mean, that's just amazing. Brilliant. So we've got one group. We've got another group. What about people who are lonely? Maybe you're lonely. You're listening to the sermon right now, and you're sitting there, and you've not seen anybody lately. Did you know that you can still have lunch with people even if you're not physically present? James told me this week he had a meeting with uh, clergy friends. They had lunch together, each person sitting at their dinner table with their lunch and a video conference. My wife, my wife's brilliant. I, I'm, I think my wife is, is one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. She hosted a virtual happy hour in our house. She set the laptop there, a glass of wine, and on that screen were four or five other ladies, all in their places, all talking, smiling, laughing, enjoying company, saying, wow, this is really great. Can you imagine that? There are ways to love one another even during this time, and now is the most important time that we ever show that love. It is vital that people know they are loved. It is vital that people know they're not alone. By this will all people know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Friends, we have a responsibility to reflect the image of God which we saw. And I go back to what John said. Love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He that does not love does not know God, for God is love. We demonstrate the very image, and we reflect the image of God by how we love. And I think that even in this time, there are so many ways to tell someone, you are loved. Even if you're six feet apart or 10 miles apart, you can do it. And we need this now more than we have ever needed it. We need to dispel isolation. Be physically distant. Don't be socially distant. Love one another.